HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're kicking off our end-of-year fundraising drive with a special discount offer from our partner, Heritage Foods USA, an online farm-to-table butcher shop specializing in heritage breed antibiotic-free meats. Donate to Heritage Radio Network before Sunday, December 4th at heritageradionetwork.org donate, and we'll send you an exclusive discount code for 10% off all Heritage Foods products. Help ensure another year of great food radio, get 10% off delicious and sustainably produced meat, and support small family farms all in one shot. How's that for a holiday miracle? Head to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate by Sunday, December 4th to make your contribution. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, everybody, hey, who's here? Jimmy. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. It's Tuesday, November 29th, 2016. We've got some special guests joining us tonight. Everybody introduce yourselves and where you're from, because this is a jam-packed show. We're talking seriously about experimental hops with... Uh, Dietrich Herring from the Indian Ladder Farmstead Cidery and Brewery. Uh, Scott Veltman from C.H. Evans Brewing Company in Albany, New York. Uh, Tylon Morkal, Ph.D. student, wild hop researcher. I'm from Turkey. Alex Feiner, a hop breeder from Germany and breeding hops for Hopsteiner. Paul Matthews, senior research scientist from New York. I'm Nikolai Petri. I'm from Iowa. I'm a bioinformatician. Thomas and Postal from China, working for Hopsteiner. And this is going to be an amazing show, guys. Everybody, high five, everybody. Woo! We're just... There's a lot going on here in the studio. Thank you, David. Yes. Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by Greenberg Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. So this show had its genesis a while ago. Um, Dieter, why don't you give us the intro? Because we, we, we've, we've had the beer. We, we know more about what you guys are doing. But Dr. Paul Matthews has been this myth you guys have been talking about for, for a long time. Well, the myth and the legend, yes. Um, well, when, uh, when Lori and I were working on uh, the uh, um, Hop Growers Handbook, um, we uh, started going to various hop conferences, and uh, we went to the University of Vermont. has a really good uh, uh, conference. Um, that's a, it's a great learning session for people who want to learn about hops. And uh, Paul was giving a presentation there, and uh, he piqued our interest in that he was talking about um, hop hunting and uh, the possibility of creating new um, uh, varieties of hops through um, uh, breeding. And, you know, so he's a hop geneticist. And uh, so I uh, tracked him down in the hall, um, you know, like you do. And uh, he was receptive to uh, accepting some of our hops that I had been hunting. And Paul, tell us about the time that you, you met Dieter. I met Dieter at the conference, and he, he came to me with some, some new hops. We're always interested in new hops. We um, have a sophisticated DNA system, and we genotype new hops. So I, I frequently advertise actually everywhere I go that we can uh, show and demonstrate the identity of any hop uh, by sequencing its DNA. 
So he made this offer, and he came and uh, had something really interesting to look at. So, Paul, I, I know this. I mean, uh, Dieter, this summer I was up at your, your place near Albany, and you talked about how people are bringing you cuttings of, of, of heirloom hops, and, and you're finding wild hops. Tell us a little more about, about you know, the role you're playing in that part of the country. Well, we, you know, basically a lot of people bring us things, and occasionally, you know, the, their story, their backstory sounds kind of interesting, and, and we'll take those. You know, they're not just some cascade that somebody's homebrewer's been growing in their backyard. Um, but, you know, if it has a really good backstory, like the one that we're very excited about is one that these people bought this house, and in the Bible written in the corner of the book, and the Bible's like from 1828, it says hops already growing on the farm. You know, so we definitely are interested in that. Uh, recently, some hops we just uh, we just got. You know, they're talking about they were brought over by the French Huguenots. Um, so anything that has like a really good backstory, or anything that we can find that you know is potential to be a wild hop, um, and not just uh, you know an escapee from one of the farms from the you know uh, last two centuries. We we call the escapees feral hops. And these may be uh, escapees from a farm, or they may be something that escaped and had sex in the wild. It may be a hybrid between the American wilds. And so now we have the technology. We can, we can tell what's a wild American from a hybrid European wild American and, uh, or, or from a European or Eurasian hop. And so we're very interested in the wild Americans. We really want all the wilds and to characterize the full diversity of the hop species. Um, but we also are interested in hops that came in um, and the stories that go with them um, as part of Providence tales that can be useful for craft brewing industry. Yeah, we're, and especially in, in New York State where we don't have access to, um, you know, as sort of new hop growers, we don't have access to a lot of the proprietary hops uh, that are available from the West Coast. And, uh, you know, in other parts of the world, we're, you know, we're actively looking for some of the older varieties that might have um, interesting characteristics to make new beers. So, Paul, a big part of what you guys are doing is, is hop hunting, You're looking for you know, wild varieties. Tell us about that, and then, then your crew that's here can introduce themselves and say what they're doing with you. You know, you're going to find wild hops somewhere in the world. So uh, Hopsteiner has a conservation biology project. We do very planned hop hunting worldwide. We don't recommend this to amateurs or to do this at home. Uh, we plan this. Uh, we do hop hunting with botanical institutions. When we find hops, we, we put them into the national germplasm repositories and share them to the public. So we're, we're interested in conservation, helping, you know, along the natural history of hops and also making things available to, to all brewers and all uh, breeders. Uh, Thailand Morkel's here with us today, and Hello. Thailand just spent two and a half months or more uh, down in New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, yep. um, and he'd like to talk a little bit about his experience uh, with hop hunting in, in actually in the mountains. Yeah, so um, like Paul said, uh, I spent about uh, two months um, this year. I uh, just got back about uh, two, three weeks ago um, looking for and collecting wild hops in, uh, in the mountains um the southwest. Uh, I spent most of my time in New Mexico, um, a little bit of time in Arizona, um, kind of focused on the, uh, the sky islands out there um, where we think there might be a sort of isolated and uh, genetically unique populations of wild hops. Um, that could be interesting to study, but, you know, could also be useful for, for hop breeding um, for traits such as, you know, drought resistance, disease resistance, uh, new flavors and aromas, things like that. Great, man. And then, oh, just everybody go around. So, Nikolai, yeah, you know, jump uh, in. The rest of our breeding team is here. And, you know, the, the wild hops come in and they're, they're integrated into our breeding program. And then they... they they travel and populate the world as commercial hops. So we have Alex Feiner from uh, uh, Germany, uh, Munich area, and he uh, runs our breeding program and development program for Europe. Yeah, hello everybody. Um, yeah, so we, we started uh, a few years ago to bring the, the hop standard breeding program from the U.S. to Germany because we have different diseases and, and different things to, to search in, in, in Germany. And um, yeah, that's what was the reason for and I grew up as a hop farmer. I have hops in my in my blood, and this was really cool that to, to establish everything right. from scratch. 
Your dad has a hop farm, right? My dad is a my dad has and a hop where farm. Where is his hop farm? My, the hop farm is in the Hallertau, in the main growing area. There are some other growing areas around. It's Tatnang and Elbisale in East Germany. And, um, yeah, we are searching for different threads, and this is the, the interesting part about it, especially my research is in, in downy mildew resistance to get new markers for, uh, yeah, for selection for the future to make better varieties in the future. You know what's great about you guys? When, when I think about the hops, for you guys, really, you're a botanist, right? You're studying plants. That's your main interest. But for me as a drinker and these guys as brewers, you know, when you said Tetanang and Hallertau, I started getting thirsty. So, Scotty, for you, you know, you, you got to make a beer with, with these guys and with their hops. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, luckily, Dieter knew Dr. Paul, and we came up with this idea of brewing this beer using Eureka. Um, and the best way I can describe it, it smells like dank, minty weed. <laughs> but this batch here uh, that we have in the studio uh, has a little bit of Denali in there, which is a, a new hop. So you get like a little bit of uh, pineapple in there. And that was a real treat. Um, originally, I thought we were just going to use uh, some of the hops from Dieter's Farm, uh, all his malt, and some of the Eureka. But then we ended up with a Gary Coleman coffin, basically like, <laughs> a five-gallon like, Coleman cooler of uh, fresh Holcomb Denali. And we said, hey, you know, let's, let's throw it in near the end and kind of give the, like, that nice pineapple nuance. And it's really cool to be sharing this beer with, with the, all the guys from, from Hopsteiner. Which is so let's do this. Awesome. So since you guys, you know, you, you grow the hops and you know the hops, when you taste the beer or smell it, you know, what are the, the things that you, you think of or words that you describe, you know, what you're smelling? Let's do that. Let's yeah. fill up everybody. Be gentle, too. guys. Let me introduce Scotty, pass it around. <laughs> uh, Nick Petra and, and his wife, Tiffany, is uh, the, the commander of our sensory evaluation panel. And they're both beeries and foodies. And so he would speak best to this, I think. I just want to tell a quick story about Eureka. Um, <clears throat> we have fields and fields of different varieties. Every single plant's a different variety. To go out and discover, um, to go out and smell the different ones. And a few years ago, we were out there, and I came across what's now known as Eureka. And I remember I grabbed it off the vine, I smelt it, and I was like, this one smells like beef jerky. And <laughs> everyone was like, what? And everybody came over, and you know, everybody had their different uh, descriptors. But you know, I've heard dank yeah. a lot. Uh, that's a, a descriptor that we're you know, discreet with sometimes on the panel. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, like teriyaki or you know, meat, uh, is it sort of a strange... Uh, I don't so get a lot of The beef. Japanese brewers <laughs> want this. They ask for a mummy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah no, so when, when you guys are just you know, discovering hops, I mean, I know you're doing genetic. You're a geneticist, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you're going deeper. But then at what point do you figure out that this actually makes good beer? That's what we need people like Dieter for. We, we, uh, you know, we do pilot brews in-house, but um, you know, it's, it's just a tool for these artists. To yeah, well, actually, I have to give all the credit for that, all the credit to Scott on that. You know, it's basically, um, I am a, basically the background is a home brewer, but I'm not a commercial brewer. So, you know, when we go to somebody like Scott, we say, this is what we have, and this is what we want to make, you know, a, a parameter. And then it's it's sort of brewer's choice at that point. So he really came up with this. Yeah, this, this uh, we, we, we started doing this recipe, uh, first doing it in, what was it, April or... Yeah, that's like the first one. Um, yeah, I came up with this recipe using all these hops at 5.30 in the morning, and I got to work at 6.30. So just kind of made it happen yeah. with, with what we had, you know? <laughs> yeah, we were very excited with what happened. <laughs> so we do evaluation of hops, and um, you know, we can make recommendations to our customers about what this hop might mean, but that's only in our beer. So we don't prescribe hops in any way. We say, you know, we think this, uh, we, do the, we do this in Germany, and we do it in, in, in Yakima Valley, and then we put them out widely to brewers. And, and then we look a, for feedback. We're trained on a lexicon, uh, you know, standardized way to describe hops, you know, so that we can portray their characteristics to, you know, the customers, the brewers. But, you know, that's... Yeah, we don't take all these florid uh, descriptors uh, too seriously. That's for the brewers to do, I think. <laughs> so uh, in, yeah, in Germany, for our German branch, we, we have a certain base beer, and we've been doing this for a few years. We have a certain pale ale, 
and uh, a certain recipe, and we we give it to, for dry hopping, different varieties, different experimentals, so we can compare them a little bit in this special beer. But it's a it's a special beer, it's a special matrix, but we can define it in this beer, and we can give recommendations to the brewers. You know, going back to the origins of Hopsteiner, I really didn't. I'm not a brewer, so I didn't really know too much about it. But I kept hearing about Dr. Paul Matthews um, when when Alex mentioned the great hop growing regions of Germany, Hallertau, Tetnang, and the other one. I mean, I really, I got thirsty and, and I lit up. So I, there's definitely a connection between either these regions or the hops and, and taste in beer. Are, are there any other regions right now where you feel like people are really saying, wow, this is a hop that people are dying for, or some hops that you guys have, have liked working with? And everyone in the room can answer that one. Uh, this is Paul. This is true of New Zealand now as, you know, a, a really interesting breeding program, and everybody's pretty uh, excited about New Zealand hops. Last year we had the Humulus Lupulus Horticultural Society Symposium in, in Washington, and we invited breeders throughout the world to bring their hops and present them to the group of a group of about 160 people and evaluate them, and the New Zealand hops came out on top. Uh, of course, the Hopsteiner hops were the second on top. <laughs> but, but we find this unique and interesting, and we, we admire the New Zealand breeders and, and, and seek to follow in their foots. And then uh, for, for you, man, like you're Nikolai, right, Nick? Yeah. You're like in the field. Are you actually out there discovering these new hops? And yeah. Um, so just for a month out of the year, I actually spend time in the field interacting with the plants. The rest of the time I'm behind a desk or behind a lab bench. But it's pretty great. You know, you get get to be out there, get to, you know, grab them, rub them, you know, like just get the smell straight out of the field. <laughs> uh, you know, and get to, you know, try to speak on their behalf to be advanced, to be put in front of the brewers. So, um, and You guys are scientists first. So how did you end up studying hops? Uh, long story short, I was in a bar in Iowa, and so was Paul. And uh, <laughs> wow. what did you but, study before? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, actual Schwiegendieck is a German German scientist who is working at my university, the University of Northern Iowa. And um, when he first moved there, I walked into his office and asked him if I could help him just like open boxes and tear scales and whatnot. And he ended up working with hops. He was actually a hop scientist came there, and he asked me to be his first grad student. And then Paul, through Hopsteiner, funded my uh, grad school research, and and the rest is history, maybe. Well, Scotty, I think you know these guys are buttoned down scientists, but they're some of the rowdiest people we've met in a while. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's for sure. Because uh, I, I I came from uh, a science background with fermentation science and and all that fun stuff, and then finally picked up a job at Brewery Omegang straight out of school. Uh, worked there for six years and started over at Ch Evans, and yeah, it. Because uh, when I worked over uh, Oma Gang, we would, we would use a lot of Hopsteiner. And by the way, your Bravos are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, is, is Hopsteiner really like at the top of the, of the game? For, In my opinion, for hops? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what is all, it's only because they're all sitting in the no, room. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what are some of the other and, and they brought yeah. knives? Yeah. <laughs> so you guys like you develop hops. Good you're, guys. You're, you're selling hops. What, tell us the whole story. So Hopsteiner is. A hop handler. We do grow, uh, and we do have a breeding program that's quite large. We do quite a bit, maybe... Uh, of course, the German guy has a phone that talks to him yeah. in the middle of the <laughs> show. Thank you, So we're a global player in you know, uh, hop handling and hop producing and hop development. Uh, we have um, uh, fields in China. For example, office in Hong Kong and Europe, and uh, but mostly half is in Germany and half is in Yakima Valley. Um, I, I just had a comment about the composition of this uh, odd group in the room. I think what unites us all is we're all engineers. You're a broadcast engineer, <laughs> and uh, uh, we have beer engineers, and then. Um, all of the Hopsteiner guys here are all computational biologists and, and engineers in one way or another. We all love the field, and, you know, we all love math. Awesome. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo!
1996, El Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, check us out. It's the end of your drive, heritageradionetwork.org. If you join before December 4th, there's a lot of benefits and some special prizes that you'll get. But, hey, that's about all I'm going to say. But, again, oh. heritageradionetwork.org. I think I'm number 14 member ever. So um, you get a lot of benefits if you don't live in New York City, but heritageradionetwork.org. Well, so These guys are asking me, like, oh, this is like, guys, let's talk about this network for a minute. Paul, Paul was like, oh, this is a cool setup you guys have here. And Alex is like, it's a cool setup. Well, we're actually in the back of Roberta's Pizza, a famous place in Busher, Brooklyn. If, you, if, you're, if your listeners are in New York City, Come, come sit in on a show on Tuesdays, uh, 5 o'clock, and uh, love to have you. But again, check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. If you're a member, you get in the studio for free from Beer Sessions Radio. Right, David? All right. You got it, <laughs> but, um, boss. You know, we're doing a good job here. This is a, a, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people in the room. And um, we've been talking a little about hops, a little about New York, and a little about Genesis. I know these guys want to cut loose. Number number one complaint is no one else brought beer. But do we have any more of the Indian ladder slash? What is? Tell us exactly what the beer is because we have people following uh, us on Untapped. Okay, well the the beer is is called Dr. Paul Matthews. It's part of our Hop Master series, um, and this beer is made from 100 uh, percent barley malt from Indian Ladder Farms that we grew. It also has um, a large portion of the hops are from our farm, um, our, our three C's, which are uh, Cascade, Columbus, and Chinook. And then the last special hops in it are uh, Eureka and Denali. And what I wanted to say about it was, you know, everybody here has a giant sciency brain, and, you know, they're all working on, you know, um, trying to come up with different hops and like that. But it really gets down to when you're making this beer... There, there is the element of the brewer's art. How do you combine those hops into making something special? You know, <clears throat> you can make a single hop beer, and that has its own dimension. But when you start combining hops together, um, that's when you really get something special. Maybe Scott can talk about yeah, that Yeah, espe- especially with this beer, because... Um I, I tend to use my hops a lot in late edition to give it that late edition bitterness. Um, so that way there's no bitterness right up front, but you have that those beautiful flavors from all the, the hops from Dieter's Farm and the guys from Hopsteiner. They all meld together, and plus you get that nice little bitterness right at the end. It's kind of like a grass. It doesn't take too much with Denali. Denali just crushes. It's an oh, awesome so hop. Oh, man. It's it's pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> so at one time, this Denali, was this an, is it still an experimental hop, or is it actually out there? It just became a commercial hop. Uh, what last year? Yeah, Went from O six two seven seven. Then lived as Nugzilla for like a month before they <laughs> shot that down, and now it's uh, Denali. Well, I'm going to talk to you guys. We're just we have a chance to talk about careers in the beer industry because you know craft beers are growing field. People don't forget you know forget that that you need welders and you need people to know how to like do refrigeration. It's not just everyone you know. Making a magic wand and making a great beer. So, why don't you guys tell us more about how you got started in the field? Let, let's start with with Tylon, the pylon from Turkey. Well, <laughs> that's how he introduced uh, himself. I'm not <laughs> um, about uh, three about three and a half years ago. I started a, a PhD program at the City University of New York, uh, and after about a year, my uh, my advisor was like, "Well, we got to find a way to fund you." So he said, "What field were you in?" Uh, plant biology. Yeah, so I was in a phytochemistry lab. So we studied, like, the chemistry of plants. And um, 
my advisor says, well, you can either uh, work part-time uh, being an editor in my online newsletter, uh, or you can work on hops. I chose hops. So that, that's, that's part of the industry now. So you're saying that people are funding research and, and guys like you to get education. Yeah, we, we, we run our research program by going out, uh, identifying first research projects. I mean, they're, they're, they're carefully justified as being important to the hop industry. And then we usually want to work with a certain institution that has a certain set of machines and a certain set of talents. And uh, we went to New York Botanical Garden, City University of New York, because of their prowess in um, uh, phytochemistry, uh, the chemistry of hops and the chemistry of flavor. And so um, th then we usually ask the academic to put forward and recommend a student. And what about for you, Alex? Yeah, for me, uh, as I mentioned before, I, I grew up in hops. Um, since my dad is a hop grower, um, it's everything I, I know in, in, plant, in plant growing, it's hops. Uh, so I went to university in, in Germany, and afterwards I thought, yeah, I should go abroad and, and see what, what's happening in the world. And I, I went to Yakima, to Hopsteiner. I was an intern half a year in, in Yakima. Um, I went back to university, did my master's, and all of a sudden Hopsteiner called and said, yeah, let's, uh, we want to build up a breeding program in Germany. And... Uh, do you want to establish it? And I said, of course, it's, it's the best thing you could ever have. And this is how I, I got to, to Hopsteiner. Uh, and, and now it's like um, yeah, the best job you can, you can ever have. You, you're in the field. You are selecting new hop varieties, uh, new experimentals. Just rub them in the field and see how, how they smell as fresh hop and then dry them. And then afterwards use them in, in experimental beers. It's the best thing you can ever have. I, I really disagree. I think Thailand has the best job in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, like I was saying, I spent about, um, thanks to Hopsteiner, I spent about two and a half months uh, just basically going around the mountains looking for hops. Um, you know, it was, it was just a really great experience. I mean, not only for the hops, but just to see just to see the environment and see the mountains and the, the trees and the forests and everything. It was great. Yeah, so Thailand, you found some hops just on the side of a mountain, growing out of like a, a scree field, which... Oh, I, right, I, yeah. I mean, like we irrigate all our hops in Yakima, and I when I saw that video you showed the other day, I was I just didn't make any sense. It's pretty cool that like we're finding like you know drought resistance. You know like maybe the hop isn't worth anything as it is, but maybe it has a trait that we can breed in. You know over the eventuality and so have how, how many millions of years old is the hop? It's like sixty million or something like that. Hop di no, sorry hop <laughs> di <laughs> hop diverged from marijuana about twenty six million years ago. Um, so the family's older than that. This family, the the Cannabaceae family, is about sixty five million years, according to the you know the best estimates we have now. Good. Let's introduce uh, Mr. Dong from China, because you know, tell us how you got start. You're a Cornell student, postdoc student. Uh, right now, I'm a postdoc at Cornell. Uh, I'm start. Um, I'm started to work for Hopsteiner uh, two years ago. So uh, right now, I'm using the next generation sequencing, try to discover a genetic diversity in a nature population in hops. So we think it might be interesting to introduce some uh, the nature vari uh, variation from wild hops into uh, modern cultivars uh, to improve a uh, breeding program. I think uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, like nature variation occurred in nature. Uh, such as uh, the disease resistance, drought tolerance. I think uh, uh, using the population genomics, we can, I mean, the prove uh, the hops breeding program significantly. Yeah. Paul, tell us more about that, because you guys are really at hard geneticists. You're really I'd to like to give you know the real world example of that. Um, we've already Dr. Dong has already uh, scanned the the whole genome of Neo Mexicanus, which is a hop variety from uh, prevalent in New Mexico, which Thailand is collecting now, and compared it to the domestic cultivars. And right away, when we scan, we look for the big differences between the domestic hops. Uh, that you know grow in Eurasia and, and Germany and the United States and and the wild 
And right away we found genes that had uh, and seemed to have an influence on drought stress resistance. So these are hops that uh, you know know how to grow in the wild, know how to grow with small amount of water. And we, we, we focused and pinpointed the DNA that's responsible for that, we hope. And so now we can use the wild hop trait of disease of drought stress resistance and breed it in uh, for the benefit of the industry. So for, for the hop hunting, when, when Thailand's out there in the field, how do you guys know where to go? You know, is, is, is there, there are maps, there's history. What, yeah. what, what brings you there? Yeah, I can speak to that. So actually, before we went out in the field, we spent a couple months looking at um, botanical records of where hops have been found in the past. Um, and then we mapped them out. Um, and I kind of I focused mostly on um, wild hops that are found in the Forest Service lands because I got a permit from the Forest Service. Um, so it's really, really a testament to all the botanists, I mean, that have really been practicing over the last couple centuries. You know, I've seen records from the 1800s um, and then gone back and uh, gone to those locations and, and found hops in those places. Um, yeah, and also talking to the locals, Nick just said, um, you know, a couple, couple, couple places I found hops. I was talking to the locals or talking to, you know, the wildlife biologists at the Forest Service. They were kind of like, you know, well, we found hops here. Here's other places that kind of look like this where you might find them. And, and you know, lo and behold, I went to some of those places and I found hops again. And he finds, like, nice ladies who are collecting hops in their free time that feed him spaghetti for three days so uh, they can live. <laughs> I told you these, these are free-living free scientists here, man. I was going to say the same thing. One thing we do, though, when we, when we seek out hops and we talk to people, um, we, we collect um, indigenous knowledge. I mean, we, 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 we find out why people are using hops. We look to the history. Uh, for example, we do hop collection in Georgia. Um, that's not Georgia, United States, the country Georgia. And, um, you know, we find really interesting uses of hops. Hops are a medicinal plant. They're used for um, uh, reproductive issues and reproductive medicine. They have a, a powerful estrogen. So wherever we go, we talk to the locals. We, we look back into the past and we collect knowledge about culture. We do ethnobotany as well as botany and breeding as well. That's great. You know, we're going to stop on that because we're taking a short break and we're going to go more into this botany of hops in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio. Hey, who's here? Scotty Veltman. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, buddy. It's Jimmy Carboni. With C.H. Evans, five. Albany Pump Station, Upstate, <laughs> Dieter, Dieter Gehring from uh, Indian. No, let's high five. Not a farmstead. All right. <laughs> high five, boys. So let's guys, we're talking about ethnobotany. And Paul, it's like, one more time, tell us the field that you guys are actually in because they're growing hops, but they don't really care about beer. They care about plants. We do breeding genetics, so we use molecular biology and we apply it to field crops. We're looking at doing crop improvement, um, but we do it in a very sophisticated and technical way. Uh, we, we work on all aspects of hops at Hopsteiner. We do uh, flavor chemistry. We, do, uh, we work on medicinal compounds from hops, and, and most importantly, we you know, brew, uh, breed new hops varieties for uh, brewers. Yeah. Okay, a serious question from, uh, I have a geneticist friend named Lynn Ripley. Did you just blend? Listen up. <laughs> He's mixing cider with He's beer. He's mixing cider and beer. Right. Yeah. 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 This is on a label. We're getting, one serious question. Were, were hops introduced to, into beer for their antimicrobial properties, and are these same compounds in other parts of the food industry today? That's a serious question. <laughs> Yeah, this is the myth is, you know, hops has a strong antibiotic. It's called lupulone. Uh, it's not bitter. It's not a flavor component like alpha acid, which is humulone. And uh, uh, probably hops were used to replace gruit, which was a mixture of herbs that, that prevented spoilage. And this is not true just for beer. This is true for bread and other fermentation products. Hops were put in... Uh, 
to cure the fermentation, that is, keep the bacteria out. And, and so it's certainly true, and that's developed into an industry. Um, we produce beta acids, the, the lupulones, and use them sort of as a natural antibiotic. They go into chicken feed uh, to replace ampicillin. They go into sugar fermentation to keep the, the bioethanol uh, production pure in Brazil. And so there's a lot of uses of this antibiotic, and that's certainly true. And this is one, one more serious question about plant breeding. You know, most of us lay people and beer drinkers don't really know about plant breeding. That's your specialty. Um, you know, we hear about Monsanto and, and GMO, you know, seeds. Is, is what you're doing in that direction or you're doing something different? And just explain to us because people are – I don't think anybody really knows about plant breeding. And, I did want to speak does. to this a little bit earlier. I just wanted to draw a line because it is confusing if you're not in the – world of it but it's definitely not gmo we're just observing the genome like a farmer might observe like this plant is big and healthy so let's make it have kids we can see the genome and say oh this one has traits that are important to us so like let's say a male hot plant right we can actually observe female traits in it like big dense cones right so we can walk up to a male and say will your daughter have big cones and that's not something a farmer can see but if we can look at its genome we can see that or uh, stacked resistance there might be a mom and a dad that are resistant to a disease for different reasons and if you bring them together all the kids are resistant some because of mom some because of dad some because of both and with traditional methods, you can't see the both, but with the methods we're using, you can. So there's longevity there. So it's actually just bettering the natural breeding that we've done for a long time. We're not actually manipulating or bringing in genes from the outside. Now, from high school science, who was the father of uh, genetics? The old priest, a long time ago. Well, you guys have to answer that, right? What, is this a quiz? It's like the brewers don't know science and the science don't know brewers. I was just going to give them There are many, actually. You know, all great things are built on the shoulders of giants, but Gregor Mendel is the accredited. Yeah, well, I was just going to say from what what's great about these guys is that you know, I'm a New York State hop farmer, and we have all sorts of issues with hop farming in New York State. And what they're doing, especially what Alex is doing in Germany, is has potential to benefit us on the East Coast because we're on the same latitude as they are in Germany, and we are fighting a lot of the same diseases and so on. So the what what they're doing is is huge for us in the East Coast. That was uh, one of the reasons why by Hopsteiner took the decision to to bring the breeding program also to Germany to screen for for different diseases <clears throat> and about yeah talking about breeding it's uh, it's genomics uh, screening the whole genome of the hops but also phenomics to really see how the f the plant is really reacting in the field and and this is right now in every single crop it's it's the uh, um, the main goal to combine phenomics and genomics and to find the right markers for a specific thread. And we try to find markers for our region, for our, cult uh, for, yeah, for our climate, for our temperature, like yeah, here in the U.S., in, in Michigan, some, some uh, yeah. But also New York. for other climates to, you know. I mean, you know, in case something changes, I mean, I don't know what the political stance you, you, is. Yeah, you, you, you never know. We have a disease in Germany which is called wilt disease, or verticillium, and all of a sudden the plant just dies, and it's not present in Yakima because it's way too dry, but all of a sudden, you know, the climate change is, is present, uh, so you have to be prepared for the future. Right. And that's one of the great things I find about Steiner is that they are an old company. And they have history, and they don't look, you know, like three, four years down the road, oh, what are, you know, hot prices going to be? They're looking like 20, 30, 50 years down the road, where are we going to be able to grow hops? And and that's important for us. You know, to back like to, to Germany, beer. so those hops. So Hallertau, Tetnang, I mean, we know American brewers are using those and, and, and featuring. It's cool that you guys actually feature the names of hops, which is kind of new. But in Germany, like, what, what are some beers that are made with Tetnang or Hallertau? So the, the, the whole story about Tetnang, Hallertau, they are old land races. They were the, just the hops that were present in the growing area. And they just took some, some clones and they, they cloned it. Or some, yeah. 
and, and brought it to some growers. And this is how the whole story about Hallertau and Tetnang really uh, was established. But all of a sudden, the, it, it was kind of a, a culture and was really yeah, a, a main growing area, lots of Hallertau in one area, and all of a sudden some specific diseases were present, and like wilt disease. And they decided, they decided, yeah, we have to decide that we have to bred something to overcome this disease. And this is how hop breeding really started. But there's a myth about Hallertau and Tetnam because it's a noble hop. You know, the reason I mentioned, you know, Gregor Mendel, because what I knew from high school, biology, that was probably it. But I'm trying to figure out what is the genome, what is genetics. And that made sense to me how we tell me what Gregor Mendel did, because it gives me an example of what actually you guys do as as plant breeding people. Gregor Mendel was the first scientist to look really carefully at a set, uh, a population, a, set, a very specific set of peas he was growing in his garden. And he was the first to visualize herit inheritance, to visualize traits as being caused by a particle. He just, he, he looked at the behavior of hybridizations of pea plants and He envisioned it as a piece of something. And it was really, this was his insight. He saw it as a factor. He saw it as a physical thing. And then, and then this allowed him to look at the distribution um, of the trait among the children and see that it was sort of like sorting itself out like it was sort of uh, a card in a deck. Um, or, uh, and he called them factors. Come on, Nikolai. He's got so much to say. He was a monk, you're, you're too, the guy so he had a lot of time on his work. hands, you know. Like, <laughs> got to watch pea plants grow, saw that some were tall and some were short and some were in the middle, and noticed a, a distribution uh, consistently. Um, I think that also recently they've found that his research may have been uh, disputable, but he did find the pattern and uh, spoke on it, which has spurred this but whole thing. But does that, does that compare to what you guys are doing? You're looking at plants, you're looking at... You know, we use his, his ideas and his results every day. And, in fact, we looked at hops. Dr. Dongans looked at hops recently and found that most of the genetic markers, a lot of the genes in hops, are not doing what Mendel said good genes should do. That is, hop has a lot of segregation distortion. It's not, it's not playing by Mendel's rules. And we f think this is a, a new and great discovery. And it ha has a lot of meaning for... Um, for breeding and hop genetics. A lot of people have tempted the hop genome, and hop breeding has been going on for a long time, and it's made some definite strides. But, I mean, if you compare it to marijuana, you know, what people have been able to do, six crosses in their closet, you know, every single year, maybe eight, I don't know. I've never done that. But no. if, you know, and the advances you can make by selecting and crossing and selecting and crossing have made, you know, what was a hemp plant, into now, you know, what you find in your recreational stores and the places that... If any of us ever went there. If ever, exactly. But, you know, so hops are on that path, but also there are these segregation distortions, these uh, interesting genomic traits that actually make hop breeding more difficult than uh, you would think. Yeah, and, from and uh, I'd ever, say, but, like, peas are for pussies. And yeah, well, everyone agrees <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, what we're drinking right now is a, is a cider. We also do cider on the farm, and, and we actually have put some uh, hops. This is a hop cider, and um, what's interesting about the hop in it is it's, uh, it's called Brewer's Gold, and Paul and I were talking about this the other day. It has kind of an, uh, an interesting... Uh, history. It comes from a, 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 a land race hop in Manitoba, right? Um, I can tell a little bit about okay, the, <laughs> what it was called. Um, because uh, talking about breeding and talking about new efficient hop varieties, Brewer's Gold is in nearly every variety in the world. So it was bred in the 1920s in the UK. And every single variety in the world, and every single brewing, uh, every single breeding uh, program, was derived from Brewer's Gold. And this is why Paul and Taylor and our uh, whole team is looking for new diversity to get a broader diversity, to get more. Uh, How to get the hell away from Brewer's Gold? <laughs> yeah, Brewer's Gold itself, it's a nice variety, but it's it's everywhere and it's, a, it's kind of inbreeding. Yeah. And this is why we are looking into new stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Nikolai. A few years ago, me and Alex were in his office in Germany, and we had about 14 whiteboards in there. And like and oh, 10 God. Red Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were trying to find where there might be diversity in the germplasm, and we kind of came to this conclusion that um, there, there needs to be an expansion, which, you know, it wasn't the very birth of it, I wouldn't say, but it definitely spurred this uh, need for a wider germplasm. Dieter, when you're hanging out with these guys, you know, how, how do you connect with them? You know, you're, you're, you're growing hops, you're making beer, you're growing, you're growing apples and making cider. Well, it's all the liquor, really. <laughs> you know, it's a cider and beer. Yeah, yeah. And on the farm, we have donuts too, and they really like those. So, you know, <laughs> well, except for Paul and Scotty. What, what's the next batch of beer you're going to make? You're going to make a batch of beer with uh, another hop that you've just learned about, or uh, I haven't gone that far yet. I, I basically just live my day day at a time. Um, but yeah, we have we've had, we've been having some issues at the brewery as of right now. Uh, with a hot liquor pump, so uh, it's giving me a little bit more time to think about what I should brew next. Um, we actually just did a uh, uh, it's our kickass oud, uh, kickass brown recipe, but we made a kickass oud brune, and I actually uh, soured it with yogurt because um, there's five different stains of lacto in there. Sexy, I know, right? It actually <laughs> smells great too. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I definitely a lot of brewers that we know, like you know, there's Trillium, there's other half in New York. They're always coming up with a new beer with, with with new hops. So for you guys as as geneticists, is is there a certain beer that you really like, and does it have a lot of hops or not? Alex, German first. Come on, what's the beer that you drink when you're um, not working? When I'm not working, uh, I like. That's a kind of political question, I think. <laughs> but uh, I like definitely hoppy IPAs. I like uh, I like that stuff. But when it comes to Earth, a really good pills is, I think, the best beer. And I can you have ever to tell have. us the name of the beer. I have to tell. You have to say one beer you like. That's uh, the Augustina Pils. It's okay. it's, it's a really good pills. Yeah. Nikola, I can tell you, is a big beer drink. Are you a big beer drinker? How, how could you tell? <laughs> from Iowa, come on. Okay. We started the show. I want to know every, every this guy was from Turkey. This guy was from Germany. I still don't, I know where Paul is, but from but uh, what beer do you like to drink, man? Uh, I really like uh, Carl Strauss uh, San Diego beer. They make a clean IPA. Um, they they make really great beer. Um, Bellas Point makes great beer. Uh, it kind of like I, I hate to like bias it because I'm PNW till I die, but San Diego has a great beer scene. And then Victoria, um, they have a beer called the, the Fat Tug. And if you guys ever get a chance to go to Victoria, BC, that little island's beer scene is out of control. They have sours that are better than I've ever had. They have clean hoppy IPAs. Everything, everything in Victoria is fantastic. Tylen, what beers do you like to drink? You know, especially this time of year, I'm mostly into stouts, I like the like the good heavy solid stout. Um, Gun Hill Brewing in uh, in the Bronx actually has a really good stout. It's uh, it's called the uh, help me on this one. It's a foreign expert stout. Void of light. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah All I really right. Like the void of light. Wow. And then Doctor Dunn, do you like to drink beer? What do you? Drink? No, I cannot drink. <laughs> I get frustrated very quickly. I'm very the only sober person in, in Hobbesader. <laughs> and lastly, Paul, wrap it up. How did you careers for people interested in beer? What did you study, and how, how did you get to this position? You know, I'm a uh, I, I'm a botanist and an evolutionary biologist. Um, I started out at New York Botanical Garden. I got interested in plant molecular genetics, and then I became interested in world health. I worked on the Golden Rice Project, which is uh, a project to produce GMO rice uh, that's been very successful in promoting vitamin A efficiency. Um, after a career in that as a doctoral student, I, I was looking for things that, um, that you know, plants that could have a worldwide impact on health. And what better than beer and health, right? <laughs> so, so I really got interested in hops because of the medicinal properties, the estrogen, uh, the anti-inflammatories, the antibacterial uh, compounds, and then of course this trends—it's a food product. So this this continues in beer, and I, I think we really affect world health.
by crop improvement and hop. So there's there's a myth. It was an ads forever about Guinness is good for you. Nursing mothers should drink beer. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, there is. Uh, this is probably um, uh, because the barley proteins are very high in a Guinness or some other stouts, and the, the proteins bind the estrogen and uh, anti-cancer compounds, xanthihumol, naringenin from the hop, and then preserve them into the beverage. And so, you know, my grandma, who lived to be 98 in London, uh, had a Guinness uh, XXX, by the way, every afternoon with tea. And, and I think, you know, they, they, they uh, serve them to uh, um, postpartum women, and they never get depressed. So I, I think this really has some, <laughs> some valor. Well, let's drink to that. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. And uh, Dieter and uh, Scott, do you want to say anything else before we close out? Anything special events coming up? Reason to dra- travel up to Albany County? There's always a reason to travel yes. up to Albany County. It's a beautiful part of the world, and you should come up and uh, see us at Indian Ladder, Farmstead, Cidery, and Brewery, and, um, and make sure you stop in at C.H. Evans. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't snowed up there too much, so yeah. All right. it's easy to get up there. And big shout-outs <laughs> coming up this Saturday, Jimmy's number 43, Battle of the Belgians, over 30 great, amazing Belgian beers. And uh, ready for New York City Beer Week? Sometime in New York City Beer Week, we're going to have the New York City Brewer's Choice, where many of these brewers... We'll be there pouring some special uh, special beer. So, guys, this is such a great time. Let's do it one more time. Go around the room. Everybody, start with Dr. Dong. <laughs> Say your name and where you're from. I'm going to wrap this one up. Okay, my name is Dong, postdoc, uh, working for Hopsteiner. Nikolai Petro, bioinformaticist for Hopsteiner. Paul Matthews, senior research Steiner, uh, research scientist <laughs> at Steiner, Steiner, Steiner. Alex Feiner from Germany, Burita. Tylon Morkal, PhD student uh, and wild hop researcher for Hopsteiner. Scott Veltman, C.H. Evans Brewing Company, Albany, New York. Uh, Dietrich Gehring, Hopsteiner. <laughs> Great, man. Hey, I'd like to thank our... Everybody works for these guys now. I'm going to be a scientist and just work on hops, right? What should I do? Go to Arizona, right? So one more time, Tom, where'd you go? What, what was that special uh, wild hop research you did? Uh, yeah, I was, in, I was in New Mexico and Arizona. I'm in the Sky Islands. Uh, and I actually visited a really cool hop farm, uh, like Nick mentioned, where a lady collected wild hops from all over this valley, working with the locals. And I was growing them on her own farm, uh, Amalia Hops. Uh, check it out. She sells online. So Out of three nights of pasta come in. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first of many of these really intense hop talks we'll have. Hey, thanks to everybody else joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. All right. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producer, Justin Kennedy, engineer, David Tattashore. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo. Thanks, man. Yeah. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.